0: This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. Yo, welcome back. Today, we have another Q&A. Now, before I get into it, If you haven't been following along for the last year, if you don't follow me on social media or you never check out my website, barefit.com, I've been dropping a blog every week for the last year. These blogs are absolute fire. I get a ton of great feedback on them. Literally anything you need to know, training, nutrition, behavior change, client case studies, how to build the perfect training split for your goals, your lifestyle, I've gone crazy in depth on all of it. Circadian eating. All these different crazy topics, more than you could ever wanna know about training and nutrition, is there. I've linked all these up in one master list in the show notes, so 52 blogs from the last year. Again, it is gonna be crazy helpful for you. There's literally literally no topic that goes untouched here, so that link is in the show notes, go check it out. Now, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the Q&A. So, our first question here is, how important is the mind-muscle connection? All right, so there's a couple different directions we can go here. So when we're talking about how you build muscle, basically we have three main components. We have mechanical tension, metabolic stress, and muscle damage. This is a proposed muscle building um, model. So the weird thing about building muscle is, whereas with nutrition – At least it's thought we know most everything about like, this is what we need to do to change your body. These are how all these different factors interact. When it comes to muscle building, there's still a lot that's left to be discovered. We're still not hyper clear on exactly what builds muscle. Obviously, we have a good idea. But like when we're talking about these factors, it's not sure. So here specifically, whether it's thought basically that mechanical tension, which is basically lifting heavy ass weights is the main driver of muscle growth whereas metabolic stress which is basically the pump the burn you feel metabolites building up in muscle and muscle damage are kind of contributing factors and muscle damage out of all those factors is thought to be the least important it's not really known actually if we need to muscle or, or damage our muscles at all in order to grow muscle but I digress. So anyways, taking it back to mechanical tension, and I promise I'm going to tie all this back. So when we're talking about tension in a specific muscle, we have two different components here. We have, well, we have mechanical tension and then, or excuse me, we have intramuscular tension, not mechanical tension. We have intramuscular tension, and then we have time under tension. So think of intramuscular tension as basically the depth of the tension so the heavier the weight so let's say you're loading up for a squat the heavier the weight is on your back for the greater the intramuscular tension is gonna be time under tension is more like width so The total amount of time that our muscle is under strain. So, when we're talking about muscle growth, which is different than just strength development, we need an adequate amount of both time under tension and intramuscular tension to grow muscle, which is why, generally, if you're somebody that wants to build muscle and not just get super strong with little to show for it, then we need generally, like you'll program sets of five or higher that's also why studies show that as long as volume or as long as your reps in reserve are equated we can get pretty similar results training anywhere from the five to thirty rep range but we do still need to create adequate time under tension so when we're talking about building muscles the mind muscle connection or here we're not talking about the pump it's not always the most important thing but we also have to realize that it does have to do with our ability to create tension in specific muscles. So, whereas like with a heavy back squat, you shouldn't necessarily feel you shouldn't be like, "Oh man, my quads and only my quads are lit up." Like with heavy compound movements, that's just not often the case. But you should still be able to feel during the exercise and after, okay, my quads did some work there because we do want to oftentimes if you don't feel a specific muscle group at all, on big compound movements is a good sign that you're just not creating tension in that specific movement so maybe you need to drop weight or in that you're not creating tension in that specific muscle excuse me and again like when we're talking about time under tension if the intramuscular tension like we're using heavy ass weight but we're not creating tension in the actual muscles we want to grow with the movement then we're not really getting very much out of this another example like if you're bench pressing and you're not activating, you're not creating tension in your chest, it's all in your shoulders, you're rounded way forward, then again, we're not really getting the desired outcome out of this. So creating tension on the specific muscles you want is very important. So basically, what I would say here is we need to be very intentional with our lifting. And I think this is something that people underestimate the importance of. I know for me for a long time, I wasn't that intentional to how I was lifting. Like it's easy to work hard actually but still kind of go through the motions so to speak so like you're pushing yourself you're pushing heavy weight but you're not consciously focusing on like contracting hard or perfecting form or really even feeling tension in specific muscles now again like if you're gonna do a heavy ass set of deadlifts I don't want you sitting there like slowly thinking on the way up. Okay, drag my hamstrings, contract my hamstrings. Like, oh man, I need to slow this down so I can feel my hamstrings more. Like the more compound the movement is, the more muscle groups we have involved, the harder that's going to be to do. But still like in general, what I would say here is be very intentional. You should be able to feel the muscles that you're trying to train in a specific movement working. It's okay if it's not like a crazy amount of burn on your compound movements, but the closer we get to isolation exercises, the more important I believe it is to really be able to feel a specific muscle working. All right, next question here is, strategies for quicker recovery. All right, so probably gonna hate this answer, but the most important shit is just the basics sleep i have so many people asking me about strategies for recovery that forget that or that are sleeping like four to five hours a night like or even ask like yo i'm so tired all the time can you give me strategies to time my meals to have more energy than like how many hours are you sleeping tonight and it's like five hours so first thing i would say like we can't surpass sleep like if you're not sleeping enough there's no hack strategy you can use to work around it like If you're not getting seven plus hours a night of sleep, of quality sleep, make that a priority. So from there, we can get into your macros. I would say make sure you're eating at least 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight and anywhere up to 1.2, but really around one gram per pound of body weight would be more ideal unless you're eating in a calorie surplus. But if you're at maintenance or in a deficit, at least one gram of protein per pound of body weight, that's your muscles building block. So we need a plenty of that. And I mean, if we're talking about everything possible to optimize recovery here, being in a slight calorie surplus is also going to help a lot. Um, Make sure your training volume is appropriate for your experience. So this is another thing that a lot of people get wrong. More isn't always better when it comes to volume. And actually, the last couple of podcasts, the volume landmarks have come up quite a bit. But basically, we have these different landmarks or for volume, we can think number of hard sets. This is all very individual for most intermediate trainees. It's thought that it ranges anywhere from 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week, or you can think per movement pattern per week, depending on how you want to split it up. But within that, we have this range of. And again, that's all of this is kind of a generalization. And truly, this is the beauty of having a coach to individualize all this for you. We can really see like, okay, how's your recovery? How's your biofeedback? How's your body changing? How are you changing in the gym? And then we can, there we have a lot more tools to adjust your volume from. So it's a lot harder to just give generalized recommendations here. But again, generally 10 to 20 sets. And within that, we have our minimum effective volume, which is the minimum amount you can do to see growth we have our maximum adaptive volume which is the maximum amount of volume you can do maximum number of hard sets you can do and continue to see progress and then we have your maximum recoverable volume which is just the absolute maximum you can do without actually regressing so i would definitely check out um renaissance periodization's book how much should i train it goes super deep into all of these as far as volume goes but generally as far as volume if you're making good progress, you feel like you're pushing yourself relatively hard, you're a bit sore consistently, which in itself is not a good proxy of progress, but it is a good sign that you're pushing yourself hard and you're working, you're creating tension in the appropriate muscles and your joints don't just feel beat up. You don't feel run down and again, you're getting stronger in the five to 15 rep range. That's a good sign that you are at about the right amount of volume on the other side of things if oh and also good pumps is a good sign here now on the other side of things if you're not getting good pumps you feel run down you're not getting stronger then it's probably a good sign that you're doing too much volume and i would likely deload and decrease number of hard sets per week and then finally if you're not getting good pumps you don't feel like you're pushing that hard you don't feel run down but you're not getting stronger, or maybe you are getting good pumps, but you're not getting stronger, that's a good sign that you can increase volume. Okay, so managing volume properly is a big part of this. Um, Also, on a similar note, stopping most of your training sets with one to three reps in the tank. So it's way too easy. I know something I struggle with and many of my clients struggle with also, until we typically, like most clients, as we get more advanced, we have to talk about this, is not pushing too far all the time. And this is exactly why when you start online coaching with me, when I'm building your individualized program, we have all these reps and reserve progressions for every single movement that I assign you, that I program for you, you'll have, okay, I want you to stop this movement with this many reps in the tank. And usually we'll do something like, okay, we're going to start this week of squats. You're going to leave three reps in the tank. Okay, next week, we're going to increase the intensity. So you're going to leave two reps in the tank. Then we're going to work up to one rep in the tank, and then you're going to deload. But if your reps in reserve are always at like one to zero, you're always taking everything to technical failure. You're a lot more likely to get hurt, you're smashing your body, and you're not going to be able to recover from it. So, typically, leaving one to three reps in the tank is smart, and I like a progression like that where over the course of a few weeks, we're getting closer, we're decreasing our proximity to failure, deload and then repeat. That works very well. And on that note, also just take deloads every four to eight weeks. That's a big range. Most clients do well with every four to six weeks. The more advanced you get, I think the more frequently you need them. If you're brand new to training, if you're in your first couple of years of training, if you're just training three times a week to maybe even four times a week at the start, you just won't need as many deloads because you're still not lifting as heavy weight. We're not accruing as much Overall volume. So you don't need to deload as often, but the more advanced you get, the stronger you get, the more frequently you'll need to deload. And then finally, with cardio, I would say limit the hit type stuff to one to two sessions a week. Do a lot more lists. So low intensity things like walking, going on hikes are great for your recovery. And really, that is all I would recommend. I mean, when we get into things like float tanks or using the whatever those massage guns are called, the hyper ice, like different things like that. We're really just splitting hairs, wasting a lot of time on things that don't give us that much bang for your buck. We really like these things that we focus on when you start coaching. Like, okay, let's get your sleep on point. Let's manage stress, which is another big one, managing your life stress. Let's get get your macros dialed in to your specific needs. Eating plenty of protein, eating plenty of carbs. We're not deficient in fats. All these things, we're doing proper training volume. All these things compound over time to crazy physique changes. It's not like, okay, I did the hyperbaric chamber and now I'm jacked. It's all these little simple, unsexy things done with consistency. That's how we create these dope changes. All right, so next question I am at a fat loss plateau and I'm already low calorie. Should I add cardio? So I would say first and foremost, if you're in this situation, work with a coach. This is very individual. So again, it's hard for me to give a generalized answer. But first, I would make sure, one, that you're tracking accurately. So, and I talked about this on the episode with Eric Trexler that's coming up soon. But the most often reason for this, people will say, yo, I'm at a fat loss plateau, but I'm only eating a thousand calories. What the hell is going on here? more often than not, the reality is you're just not tracking as accurately as you think. So first and foremost, be super honest with yourself. Am I tracking accurately? And often like with clients, this comes down to, okay, we're eating a lot of flexible foods. So like maybe you're eating out at restaurants a lot and there's just so many things you can't take into account there. So let's spend a couple weeks really trying to quote unquote, clean it up. I want you to eat at least 90% paleoish foods, I want you to try to measure as much as possible. And I often call this a diet audit. So, like, we're removing literally, and I picked this up from T- Team 3DMJ, but we're literally removing as much error as possible. So, like, everything possible, I want you to actually weigh out, measure out. We know that this is super accurate. Again, you don't have to do this for forever, but. Before I cut your calories any lower or get you moving more, I want to make sure that we're actually seeing an accurate picture of your calories. Now, first and foremost, for like this crazy low-calorie situation, that helps. That, most of the time, will solve the problem, just that simple diet audit, because people will come up with, okay, oh shit, like I was forgetting to track a couple hundred calories of olive oil per day, and I wasn't tracking my peanut butter accurately. Little things like that that add up to big differences and again you don't always have to be this quote-unquote ocd about okay i'm going to measure absolutely everything but in a situation like this it makes sense before you start eating less or moving even more second make sure you're getting all your steps in super consistently make sure you're crazy consistent with eight to ten thousand steps a day that just makes more sense like again especially if your body is already eating very low calories you're in a more stressed out state it makes sense to focus on more just daily movement which will help reduce stress than it does to add in too much cardio make sure you're sleeping at least seven plus hours per night (laughs) similar to the last topic if you're not sleeping enough it is just straight up so much harder to get results you'll see and this especially with your cortisol because if we're already experiencing the stress of Not dieting, plus sleep is very low, cortisol is gonna shoot through the roof. That's gonna cause water retention, and it's gonna look like you're not losing fat when actually maybe you are, or maybe you actually just need to chill, sleep more, and then you'll see progress. But either way, cortisol can create water retention, and it feels like you're not making progress. Now, sometimes when I suspect this is going on, and we know that these things are on point already, I'll actually have clients take a one to two day Diet break where we just bump them up a lot via carbs. And carbs counteract cortisol basically. So, insulin, well, insulin, insulin and cortisol have an inverse relationship. So, when we see this big spike in insulin from all these increased carbs, cortisol will drop and the clients will experience a quote unquote whoosh effect, which is a term I stole from Lyle McDonald. But basically, all this water drops and all of a sudden they see, oh shit, like I just lost five pounds. And oh damn, I guess I have been making progress. Now, typically the beauty of all the metrics that we track when you coach with me is I very rarely run into this situation because we can already see like okay your weight is the same but look at how much all your measurements change so you're crushing it stay the course don't worry so very rarely does the situation come up but when a client is stressing the weight like this I'll typically just give them a one to two day refeed like that if I know that all these other factors are on point Next, I would say if it's been eight plus weeks since you've taken a diet break, just bump your calories up to maintenance, primarily via carbs for at least the next two weeks. That can help. Again, we are experiencing a lot of stress from dieting. And also like most importantly, in cases like this, often clients just have a lot of diet fatigue. They're psychologically just burnout on dieting. So a diet break really helps with adherence here. So it's been eight plus weeks. I would. Incorporate that. And then if all else fails, you can tick all these boxes. Then one, maybe you just need to take an extended away time away from dieting, focusing on eating more, building muscle. And again, this is a situation that I often come across with the women that I coach. Been dieting, dieting, dieting for so long, always trying to get leaner. When actually the best thing we can do for your physique is focusing on building some lean muscle. And then when you come back to dieting, because we have more muscle, you don't have to lose as much fat to actually have a lower body fat percentage. So that's also a smart strategy. And then finally, if you're just somebody that's trying to get super lean, the reality is you might just have to add in some cardio. But that is the last resort after taking all these other boxes first. All right. And that is all we have today for the Q&A. So, again, if you didn't do so already, hit the link in my show notes for Every single blog that I've released over the last year, this is going to be crazy helpful for you. Also in the show notes there is the lifestyle diet, which is the complete guide to developing a flexible nutrition lifestyle and really what I help my clients do to make all of this sustainable long-term. Finally, if you took value from this podcast, if if you enjoyed this, take a picture of this Share it on your Instagram story. I want to connect with you. And also, I'll share it on my story. And together, we're really growing the reach of this podcast. And that is all I have for today. Thank you for tuning in.